Matthew 22, verse 23, and it reads, The same day the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him, him being Jesus, and asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses said that if a man dies having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now, there were with us seven brothers. The first died after he had married and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. Likewise, the second also and the third, and even to the seventh, last of all, the woman died also. Pause. It's not spiritual, but we need to pause. This woman was married to seven different men, and all of them died. Hear me. By man like number three, you got to know the gig is up. Don't eat her chili. There is antifreeze in it. There, try and come after and search money. I don't know what it was, but this lady, I mean, everybody was dying. It goes on to say, therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife will the seven be, will be? For she had, uh, for they all had her. So in other words, hey, when we get to heaven, she's married seven times. Whose wife is she going to be? And here's what Jesus said. And here's the key for the message. Jesus answered and said to them, you are, say that word with me. You're mistaken. Another translation said, you are in error. So you're mistaken, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection in heaven, there's neither Mary nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. Father God, we're grateful. We're thankful that revival, God is birthing in our hearts, in our church, in the city. God, that in the midst of a pandemic and uncertainty and fear, God, you're our ever-present help in this time of trouble. God, you have peace. You have purpose for every single person. So speak to us in this moment, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus, we say. Somebody shout amen. amen. Come on, Baltimore, shout amen. Amen, amen, and amen. Last week, we started a brand new series called I'm Not That Spiritual. Come on, can you say that when we say I'm not that spiritual? Now, for somebody who thinks they are spiritual, someone maybe you've been in church for a long time, you've been serving God, that phrase could, could be a little bit offensive. What, what are you trying to say, Pastor? Are you trying to say I'm ratchet? Are you trying to say I'm ungodly? Are you trying to say I'm a heathen? What are you trying to say by I'm not that spiritual? And here's the mindset behind that. We may be spiritually mature if we compare ourselves to somebody else. You know what I mean? Like, well, I'm not, I don't cuss like they cuss, and I tithe, or I do this, or I do that, or whatever it may be. They're ratchet. I'm not. I am more spiritual than that person. But here's what Paul said last week. He said, you're in error because you compare yourself by yourself. Let's have a deep revelation in this moment. Your pastor was never your standard. That, 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 was, that was good preacher, Mike. They just, I mean, they just let that one drive. It's just like... I'm not, I'm not, thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, Baltimore. Your pastor was never your standard. Another human being was never your comparison. Our goal was always to be like Christ. And how many people know that if I'm comparing myself to another person, I may be doing better, but when I'm comparing myself to Christ, there is so much more that God can and desires to do in my life. I haven't even scratched the surface of how good God is. So I may not be there yet, but I'm leaning 
into his presence. I desire to be more like him. Here's the thing that crossed my mind. In every industry and in every field, there's always a desire to grow and to learn. If you're in the tech industry, if you're in the medical industry, if you're in the educational industry, there's always continued learning. There's always another seminar, another conference. If you're in the tech industry and you haven't learned anything new in tech in the last 10 years, you're probably still using a flip phone. <laughs> like things have progressed so much in the last 10 years that there's this constant leaning in to learn more. If that's how we operate in our secular lives, how much more should it be in the kingdom of God where we don't sit back in a spiritual rocking chair? satisfied with the fact that our ticket to heaven is punched, but we're leaning into the fact that, God, you have so much more for. How many people want more of God? Come on, Baltimore. I desire for more of. You want to preach a message today called something doesn't add up. Something doesn't add up. Up. Uh, I went to the greatest university on planet Earth, the University of Maryland, College Park, fear the turtle. Why are you laughing? Turtles are terrifying. Anyway, went to College Park. I was, I was an econ major. I started a bunch of bubble. I did not go to seminary. I was actually on a business track, wanted to be an entrepreneur. God kind of interrupted all of my life plans, and I find myself here. But, but I have a degree in economics, and I've always been a numbers person. Any numbers, folks? You, you, come on now. These are anointed people of God, numbers people. I find that there's really just kind of two folks. There's the numbers folks, and then there's the language arts, the, the, the you know, the, your your not of God. <laughs> I could not stand language arts, and here's why. English, poetry, writing, all the communications, it's subjective. You, you, you sit in English 101 in college, you write your paper, and you get your paper back, and the professor says, I feel like you did not properly support your thesis statement. And I want to write back, I don't care how you feel. I hit my word count. I double spaced and spread out the letters so I hit my six pages. That was really my only goal with this paper. So I need you to feel like giving me at least a B so I can take it home to my parents. You will never see the word feel on a math exam because nobody cares how you feel. You can feel happy, you can feel sad, you can feel angry, you can feel apathetic. One plus one will always be two. On the good day, it's, it's, it's not subjective, it's objective. Some of y'all English folks, you're like, no, math, math is the devil. I was with math when it was numbers, but when they put X in there and started using letters, and God help us, they started putting words in there when Sally had five apples and Jimmy had three apples and gave two apples to Tom. How many? Listen, you can put X, Y, Z letters at the end of the day. One plus one equals two, and X always equals something. I find when it comes to our faith, there can be this confusion where we can feel like our faith is subjective. It can mess some of us up, those objective ones of us, because we were used to math and equations. So if one plus one equals two, fasting and prayer equals miracle. Hmm? 
I was preaching from the beginning. Y'all just didn't know where I was going. <laughs> so back in January, I fasted and I prayed for 21 days. I got a brand new job. God reconciled a relationship. I saw miracle after miracle within the 21 days. So that's how it works. And now I'm fasting 21 days. And it's been 21 days since the 21 days and nothing. Whoa, 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 whoa. I worked the equation. How come it didn't add up the way that I thought it did? I'd like to submit to you that our faith, that our spiritual pursuit of God actually is not subjective. It actually is objective. I think it's just the way that I'm wired. I think that God speaks to you according to your DNA. And because math is my thing and I see equations, I see equations all throughout Scripture. And I'd like to submit to you that if there's an area of your life that is not lining up with the word of God, you're missing a part of the equation. Come on, Baltimore. You're missing X. You're missing Y. You're missing something in there. In this passage that we read, the original team YOLO came to Jesus. You know what YOLO means? It means you only live once. It's those people that says, hey, live life to the fullest. Go ahead, do it, jump, whatever it may be. You only get one shot at this. Well, before it was Team YOLO, it was the Sadducees. The Sadducees were a religious sect of that time that they did not believe there was anything after death. They didn't believe in heaven. They didn't believe in hell. They literally were YOLO. You only get one shot. So live it up, enjoy it as much as you want. They didn't believe in anything spiritual at all. So they were trying to trap Jesus in talking about heaven. He said there was this woman and she was married to these seven different brothers. And that's for a different day. I'm not even going to explain that to you. He said, by the way, when they get to heaven, whose husband will she be? And here's what Jesus said. I'm going to read it again. Jesus answered and said to them, you are, come on, Baltimore, Columbia is holding me out. You are, you're mistaken. You're in error, not knowing the scriptures, somebody say one, nor the power of God, somebody say one, always equals two. Y'all missed the equation. Is it? He said, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God, you're in error. I'm so excited about this message. You're not giving me what I'm looking for, Paul. <laughs> well, let me just give you the end of the message. If there's any area of your life that you're not seeing the supernatural promises of God coming to pass, you're missing one of two things. You're either missing the scriptures or you're missing the power of God. Those masks are stealing your amen. Come on now. Here's what God says. He said, if you're not seeing miracles in your marriage... Miracles in your career, in your finances, miracles as you're raising your children. If you're not seeing God's handprint in some area of your life, your equation is missing something. You're either missing the scriptures or you're missing the power of God. As I was preparing to study, the Holy Spirit actually gave me a chart. I don't know if it's because it's the way that I think. Y'all ain't going to laugh at my handwriting, are you? You're laughing already. God bless you people. All right, so here's the, here's the chart. I, our, I showed our, uh, our marketing director this, and, and she's a language arts person. She's like, Pastor, I don't get it. I was like, oh, it's perfect. All right. So here's the, here's the, the graph that kind of came up in my mind. Boom. So Jesus said, there, there, it's one of those, you know, there, there's two different types of people in the world. He, he said, you're either lacking the scriptures or you're lacking the spirit's power. 
And for me, that lines up and lands you in one of four different categories. The first category would be someone who is missing the power of God. They don't have God's power in their life. And I'm going to put for that person, I'm going to put void. They're void of the power of God. The opposite of void is that I have the power or I'm filled with the Spirit of God. So for that, I'm going to put uh, Spirit uh, filled. Y'all feel like you're in school? I, I was working on curriculum for Destiny College this week. We were kind of mapping that out. So I think this one I'm in like professor mode. But you have void, you have spirit filled. And he says, so you either don't know the power or you don't know the scriptures. So if I have God's word in my life, do you mind if I put the word wise? Make sense? And if I'm lacking God's word, God said, then you are mistaken. So I'm going to put mistaken. Can y'all see that? Baltimore, are you with me? Can y'all see? Y'all good? We're good? So, four different types of people. He said, if there's an error or a mistaken area of your life, it's either void or missing God's wisdom. I'm going to break down these four quadrants. I'm going to hold this pen in my hand. Hey, if you're taking notes, can you write this down? If you're not taking notes, you know what to do. <sighs> write this down. The first quadrant is going to be the one over here. This is the person that's void. They're missing God's power and they're lacking wisdom. They got nothing. <laughs> and for that, write this down, mistaken makes me crisis-driven. If I'm a person that I'm lacking the power of God in my life and I'm lacking wisdom, my life will look like one crisis to the next. It will just be crisis after crisis after crisis after crisis. Here's what Jesus said. He said, you are mistaken. When I think about the word mistaken, if you take miss and you take taken and you flop it, here's what it says in my mind, taken by mistakes. Someone that doesn't have the power of God and they don't have the wisdom of God, their life is dominated by mistakes. It's one crisis after the next crisis, one heartbreak after the next heartbreak, one drama after the next, and it's like I'm driven, I'm controlled by crisis. In Proverbs chapter 23 verse 35, it says this, they have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I did not Feel it. When shall I awake that I may seek another drink? I think this speaks of the crisis-driven person. Here's what a crisis-driven per person is trapped in. I'm trapped in seeking and pursuing the next moment of euphoria and joy or surviving. The only thing that I'm thinking about is where can I have a little bit of fun and how can I live to see Friday? If I could just have a little bit of fun and just have enough money to make it a Friday, those are the only things that I'm thinking about. And here's what it says. It says, they beat me and I didn't feel it. They beat me and I, I just need to know when I can I get another drink. It's what I call spiritual amnesia. It's when you make a decision that's void of God's power, void of God's wisdom. Maybe it's dating somebody that, that, that you had no business dating. You saw their anger before you went out on the first date. You, you saw signs of problems, but yet you stepped into that relationship anyway. It did not go well, and you ended it, but six months later or six years later, you, you ever heard that song, same script, different cast? The names have been changed. This, 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 this is, oh. 
I might be preaching a quadrant run, <laughs> Baptist church. <laughs> Man, six years later and I'm still in the same situation. <laughs> I was loaded down in debt in this moment and somehow I fought myself out of it only to go find me some more debt. Here's why. Because I forgot the pain of yesterday because I'm only thinking how do I get to the next step? How do I live for the next moment of joy? If you find yourself in that position, you're going to feel beaten down. You're going to feel like the odds are stacked against you. It doesn't matter what I do. You, you, you begin to adopt a victim mentality where the world is out against me and the system is out against me and nothing's for my favor and everything is working against me. And, and, and here's the problem. It's because you're lacking the power of God and you're lacking the wisdom of his word. Well, pastor, what do I do? The Bible tells us in John 14, verse 6, Jesus said to him, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Here's what comes to my mind. I don't want to be mistaken. I don't want to be taken by mistakes. Come on, Baltimore. But I want to be taken by Christ. I want Christ to be the one that is defining every moment of my life. It starts with Christ. Paul said it this way. He said, it's no longer I who live, which means I'm not living just for fun. I'm not living just for survival. I'm living for God in this life that I live. I live it through him. So the first one, and I'll write this down because they got on me last service for leaving something blank. So this is someone who's crisis, uh-oh, ah, crisis driven. <laughs> I had a weird thought. Some people drive to their crisis in Bentleys, some people drive in Hondas, but the destination is the same. <laughs> I'm still driving. There's still a crisis on the other end. So that's the first one, the person that is void of the power of God and void of the wisdom of God. So the second quadrant is this. This is the person that they're void of the power of God, or I say it this way, they're God-less. I don't think much of God. I don't acknowledge God. I don't rely on God. But watch this. I have God's wisdom. I don't have him, but I have his wisdom. Write this down. Number two, void makes me productive and destructive. When I have the presence or don't have the power or the presence of God in my life, but I have the wisdom of God, I'll say it this way, I got some common sense. I'm going to be productive. I'm going to build something, but I'm also going to destroy something just as much as I build it. This is the quadrant that confuses believers so much. Because we look at people that they don't follow God. They're not humble. They don't tithe. They live a ratchet life. But yet they're loaded. They get promotion after promotion after promotion. They're having as many children as they want. And you may be struggling with infertility or whatever it may be. It's like, God, how is that fair? Where I'm in search, I'm worshiping you, I'm honoring you. And someone who can't even look at you seems to have a blessed life. By the way, that's the danger when we make the word blessed and money synonymous. When we think blessings equal money, we get ourselves in trouble because we think anybody who has money must be blessed. Here's the thing, you can have one without the other. 
David had the same problem. He said, I'm looking at all these people who don't worship God. Here's what he said in Psalm 73. He said, I almost lost my footing. Can I tell you what he meant? He said, I almost lost my faith. I almost stopped believing in God. He said, my feet were slipping and I was almost gone. For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like every... Can you feel the honesty in this? I love God's word. David's like, they're not following you, and it's easy peasy. They're just living a great... That's not fair. Verse 11, it says, what does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even... David said, God, do you even see what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Listen to David's honesty. Did I keep my pure, did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Boy, that's real. Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? Man, this person's jumping from bed to bed to bed to bed. They found somebody and they're married already. I'm keeping myself from marriage. It seems like I have no options, God. What? What is this? David said, how in the world can people not honor God but yet still see increase? Here's why. Because the wisdom of God works with or without God. I can use God's wisdom in my life, and I don't need him to do it. I'll put it this way. Let's talk about money. God's word says that a fool spends all that he gets, but a wise man lives on less that he has. God's word said that diligence, that hard work, that focus, that discipline brings increase. God's word says that a man or a woman, that your gifts are going to bring you before great men. He said that make sure that when you invest, that you, 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 you diversify your portfolio. Don't invest all in one thing, but invest in different places because you don't know which one. Somebody say, that's wisdom. So watch this. If an unbeliever who does not worship God, if they live on less than they make, come on now, they're hardworking, they're diligent. They discover their gifts and they develop their gifts and they multiply or diversify their investments. Guess what? They are going to see financial increase. Why? Because the wisdom of God works with or without God. In Isaiah 55, 11, it says this, so also is God's word. I send it out and it, come on, say that with me, it, come on, Baltimore, it, it always, God's word always produces fruit. It shall accomplish all I want it to and prosper. That word prosper just means to move forward. Will prosper wherever or everywhere I send it. God's wisdom works without God. That's why unbelievers can have happy marriages. Because I don't need God to to consider my spouse's needs more important than mine. If I'm just humble and I serve them, there's going to be a level of joy in that relationship. I can work God's wisdom without him. Pastor, I'm nervous. Because you're trying to tell me that I can get God's stuff without God. Then, Then why do I need God? 
Here's why you need God. Because you can get God's stuff without God, but you can't keep it. Because I'm using God's wisdom, so thus I'm productive. But I am lacking God's presence in my life, so I will be self-destructive. I'm going to destroy as much as I produce. And we see it over and over and over again where someone will build, I mean, a billion-dollar business and, and do something that is amazing, one of the wealthiest people on the planet. But I have an affair. Come on now. My marriage is destroyed, self-sabotage. And I go from one of the wealthiest to sitting in court. 50% goes to her. Why does she get 50 Okay, call me that. <laughs> And everything that I built up, I sabotage. It's not just, hey, I used wisdom and I got this or I got that or whatever it may be, but I end up destroying what I'm building. The Bible says that there's people that they tear down their homes with their mouth. Maybe you're keeping yourself pure and you're just like, man, God, I'm waiting for a marriage. I'm waiting for a family. How did they get that? It looks like the dream. They're, they're, well, ain't nobody traveling right now. But last year, they, they were going to Santorini and Cabo. and It just looked, it looked amazing on Instagram. But what you're not seeing behind the scene are the words that are tearing that home apart. He said, listen, 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 listen. It's my power that keeps you from destroying. How do I know when I'm at that position where I have wisdom but not the power of God? Can I give you a clue? When you're building something great but you're exhausted. You're drained. Here's why. Because you're trying to do God things in human strength. And listen to me. Whatever it is that God's called you to do. And by the way, God doesn't just call people to preach. God calls people to be in politics, to be in education and medicine and launch businesses. Whatever God has called you to do, it is too big for you to do it in your own strength. And without the power of God, hear me, it will take more from you than it gives to you. How do I know that I'm using God's wisdom minus his power when I find myself with a hard heart? I don't need God. What, what, what do I need God for? I already got on my own everything the pastor told me God would give me. What in the world would I need God in my life? Because I can, it's almost as if I'm a God unto myself. Mark chapter 8 verse 36 says this, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? He said, with wisdom, you may profit a lot, but you're going to lose a lot more than you profit. Here's what your soul is. Your soul, biblically, is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So what does that mean? It means, man, I amassed a great amount of wealth, but my mental health is lacking. Listen, there is a mental health pandemic in our nation right now where people are paralyzed by fear, anxiety, depression, and I understand some of that is chemical, some of that is a, is a physical ailment similar to cancer or diabetes or whatever, but hear me, it's not all just chemical. Some of it is that we're overwhelmed by trying to do God things without his strength. If I'm void of God's power, but I use his wisdom, I will Self-sabotage. Here's the thing. There's degrees 
to all of these quadrants. So I can be a believer, but I rely more on my own ability than I rely on the power of God. So I have a faith in God. I've punched my ticket for heaven. But when it comes to accomplishing something here on earth, I'm doing it in my own strength. There was actually a preacher like this. His name was Apollos. And here's what it says in Acts 18.24. It says, now a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, Virginia, an eloquent man, mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. So this man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, so he had been to seminary. And being fervent in spirit, he was passionate, he spoke and taught, he was actually accurate. The things of the Lord, though he only knew the baptism of John. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. I could just picture this moment in my mind. Here comes guest speaker, Apollos from Alexandria, Virginia, and he's, he's preaching, and I mean, he's a preacher's preacher. It, it, I mean, it's historical, it's accurate, it's powerful. He's passionate. Everybody loves him. Then after the message, he goes out in the lobby like pastors do, and he's shaking hands, and these two church members, Aquila and Priscilla, they've never been to seminary, they've never, you know, preached on a platform, but they just said, man, Apollos, oh, that message was so good. He's, oh, thank you, thank you. It was, it was God, it was God, not me. I'm like, well, it wasn't that good. But they said, it, it seemed like you were relying on your communication skills to change people's lives. And, and, and it seemed like you were relying on your historical context to inspire people. And, and it seemed like you, you were relying on, on the scriptures that you memorized instead of relying on the fact that the Holy Spirit was in that room. And he was going to take every one of your words and make it personal for every single person and use his power to train. And listen, Paul, we want to teach you how to be filled, overwhelmed with God's power so that God can add to your wisdom and bring supernatural results. And by the way, Paul, you wouldn't have to yell so much. You wouldn't sweat so much if you preached under the power of God. <laughs> it's just a joke. Here's the thing. We can rely more on our wisdom than his power, and we're going to end up self-sabotaging whatever we're building. So let's get into the, 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 the believers now. Here we go. So third quadrant, that is someone who is passionately in love with God. I am spirit-filled. I do not miss a catalyst. I've been through growth track three times. I'm on two different dream teams. I lead four different connect groups. I love me some Jesus. <laughs> the only problem is don't have no common sense. I'm lacking wisdom. Write this down. Spirit only makes me disillusioned. Spirit only makes me disillusioned. This is that person that, man, I'm passionate for God. I believe in God, but I don't understand why things aren't lining up in my life. I love Jesus. I tithe, but my finances are jacked. I love God, but it's like we just can't make progress in our marriage. Boy, I pray and fast. Forget 21 days of prayer and fasting. I did 21 days before y'all did 21 days. But my career is in the same place it was six years ago. 
and I'm just not seeing increase in my life, I'd like to submit to you that passion only won't get you far. Can I, can I give it to you this way? It's like having a 700 horsepower engine with no steering wheel. That's called a wreck. Because you can go fast, but you can't point that power anywhere. Here's what it says in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 2. Baltimore, are you with me? I know y'all shout amen down there. Columbia. Like, mm, that was deep. That was deep. I got the deep folks here. I got the fun folks in Baltimore. I didn't go to Baltimore. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 2, it says this. Even zeal, even passion is not good without knowledge. And the one who acts hastily sins. I got to pause just for my basketball heads in the room. If you don't play basketball, we're going to have a moment. Come on. If you're a hooper, give give, give me something. No, no. Sheesh, I'm going to Baltimore. Thank you. Come on. You just pass. I don't know. You want me to raise my hand? Where are my hoopers at? Come on. Help me out. Now, if you're one of these people, we're talking about you. Y'all know those people in the basketball court, they can't play, but they're super aggressive, and they're just hacking everybody, fouling everybody, and it's not even fun to play with them because they got zeal. But go play football because this is a different sport. They're aggressive, but they're just making a mess of things. That's what the Bible says. It's like when you're spirit-filled with no wisdom. Here's the problem. You become disillusioned because you're praying fast and you see no results. You you, you love God. You're, You're inhaling all that is God. But yet it seems like it's barrier after barrier after barrier, brick wall after brick wall after brick wall. And here's what happens when when, when you're disillusioned. You you, you, you begin to change what I call the finish line. You begin to have moral victories. Growing up, I played on a soccer team, and, and I had great years of playing soccer. But this year in particular, we lost every game that we played. We had like 26 games that season. We lost every. Do you know how difficult in Little League soccer it is to lose 26? This is back when they had playing, like everybody gets to play. And we still lost. So here's what happened. For the first 13 games of the season, the goal was we want to win. After 13, we realized that's not realistic. It's just not going to happen. So for the next 10 games, we're like, we just want to score a goal. (laughs) Then we realize that's not realistic. So then the next three games, like, we just want to keep them from scoring 10 goals. Realize that's not realistic. So the last three games is like, we just don't want to get hurt. (laughs) If we could just get through the, here's what happened. We were changing the finish line based on our own disappointment. There's so many Christians who do that. Because I'm not seeing results, no. Now all God cares about is me being faithful. As long as I don't backslide. Doesn't matter if I'm building something, impacting people's life, broke as a joke. Then we start saying things like this. You know, God just favors certain people. You you know, God's, God's given them the spirit of wealth. I have looked all through Scripture, and I have not seen a spirit of wealth anywhere. I've seen budgeting. <laughs> I've seen living on less than you make. I've seen being disciplined. I've never seen a, but here's what we do. We begin to change the rules in our head 
Because it's not lining up. And here's the problem. We're not applying God's wisdom. We're only relying on his power. In John chapter 14, verse 26, it says this. But the helper, the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, I'm spirit-filled. Come on, even if you're not, just prophesy over your life. Come on, Baltimore. Somebody say, I'm spirit-filled. Well, let me tell you what that spirit does. It says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will... He will teach you all things and bring to your, shout that word out. He will bring to your, somebody say remember. Remembrance, all things that I said to you. My wife, who preaches a lot and is a phenomenal preacher, she, she gets frustrated with me because I have a photographic memory. So she's like, I hate preaching after you because you get up there and you preach without your notes and like, this is hard. And I'm like, no, it's not real. Like, I, I, just, I can memorize things and I forget it the next day. It's not that cool. It's actually how I got through college. I have an economics degree and I don't know anything about economics <laughs> because I would literally read the textbook the night before. Any photographic folks, you just memorize it. If I can remember what page it was on, I'm good. Let me bring everybody in. Y'all remember the day when the professor lets you bring in a cheat sheet? Come on now. Those were once and in between. But when the Holy Ghost moved on his heart or her heart, said everything you could fit on one sheet, front and back, bring it in. If you're in college, let me, no, no, let me help you out. If he says or she says bring a cheat sheet, just know the exam's impossible. If they're giving you the answers coming in, there is no answer. It's probably an English exam. <laughs> Anyway, so you go into exam, you've memorized the page, you have your cheat sheet, right? And then you sit down and you look at the problem. And then you look at your cheat sheet, you look at the problem, you man, I forgot to write the equation on my cheat sheet that applies to this problem. So watch this. If it's not on the cheat sheet, having it doesn't matter because it's not what I need. Here's what it means to be spirit-filled. Here's what the Holy Spirit does, Baltimore. It reminds you what's on the cheat sheet. But if your cheat sheet is blank, come on now. The Holy Spirit has nothing to remind you of. So here you are in a situation where somebody offends you. And the scripture says a righteous man overlooks an offense. But you don't know that scripture. So you get offended. You get ready to give him a piece of your mind. And the Holy Spirit is like, no, 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 wait. Don't, don't type that. Don't send. Remember, it says in the word, remember. Remember, remember. Oh, there's nothing to remind you of because it's not in you. And here's what the problem is. We have the power of God, but because we don't have his word, his wisdom in us, we're not seeing any tangible progress. Listen, you can pray and fast over your marriage all you want until you consider their needs more important than yours. Prayer and fasting ain't going to help you. Can I get in trouble? You can tithe till the cows come home. If you always spend more than you bring in and you don't live off of a budget, you're not going to see supernatural increase. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7, it says this, getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do 
And with your wisdom, develop common sense. I don't know about you. I think that's hilarious. You don't got no sense. You got the Holy Ghost. You don't got no sense, though. It says, and good judgment. If you exalt wisdom, she will exalt you. Hold her fast, and she will lead you to great honor. She will place a beautiful crown upon your head. Now, husbands, I am very offended that this scripture implies that wisdom is my wife. <laughs> I actually think it's a misinterpretation <laughs> of this scripture. I don't know why they refer and, and, and use her a, a, as wisdom. Can I give you my guess, though? Because this was written by Solomon, who had 500 wives and 300 concubines. That's a side chick if you don't know what a concubine is. <laughs> and here's what I think Solomon was saying. He was saying, if I had pursued wisdom with the same energy that I pursued women, I would have been in a much better situation than I'm in right now. He was trying, it's an analogy. He was saying, go after wisdom. <laughs> Pray for me, I need Jesus. You got it though, didn't you? He said, wisdom is just as important as the power of God. If you have the power of God, amen, I know that's right. If you have the power of God and no wisdom, you will be disillusioned. So this is the type of person who can't show up to work on time, but they're convinced that a million-dollar check is coming in the mail. God's about to bless me. Woo! My breakthrough is coming. You're broke. And ain't no breakthrough coming because God's word, somebody say wisdom, said that when you're faithful with little, he will trust you with much. And based on the fact that you're not being faithful with that job that you hate. All right, let's sign this point. Last thing is this last thing. The quadrant where we all want to be spirit-filled and wise. Somebody say I'm spirit-filled and I'm wise. Come on, one more time, Baltimore, prophesy over yourself. Say, I'm spirit-filled and I'm wise. Write this down. This combination brings the supernatural. Here's where I see supernatural increase and supernatural growth in areas of my life. When I bring the combination of relying on the power of God, but I'm also using the wisdom of God. In Psalm chapter 1, verse 2, it says this. This type of person, his delight is in the law of the Lord. Somebody say wisdom. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Somebody say power. That meditates day and night? That sounds like spending time in God's presence to me. Stretch it a little bit. Maybe it sounds like prayer and fasting. Leaning into his power, but I have his wisdom. He says, here's what your life is going to be like. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. 
even if it's a pandemic. And whatever he does, I looked that word up, whatever. In the original Hebrew, you know what whatever means in Hebrew? Whatever. It says whatever he does, his marriage prospers, his kids prosper, his business prospers, his money prospers, his relationships prosper, his ministry prospers. Whatever he does prospers, and here's why. Because there's balance that he relies on the power of God, but there's wisdom. Here's what God's wisdom does. It tells me what to do. Here's what his power does, that still small voice tells me when to do it. When I have that balance in my life, I'm seeing this supernatural increase of God. So let's break it down and we're going to land this plane. If there's an area of your life where you're not seeing miracles, real miracles, not he woke me up this morning and he set me on my way. <laughs> Forgive me. But real miracles. Don't freak out. You're just missing a part of the equation. You're either lacking his power. Come on, Baltimore. You're lacking the wisdom from his word. Let's pray. Father God, we are grateful. God, that you've given us power. And God, you've given us wisdom to prosper in whatever we do. God, I pray in this moment that you'd open our eyes to see. And God, none of us are perfect. We're all missing it in some area. So God, I pray right now that you give us eyes to see where we're lacking your power and eyes to see where we're lacking your spirit. Right where you are with your eyes closed and your head bowed. Columbia, Baltimore, sitting at home. Can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just give God a moment to make this time, to make this message personal to you. Maybe you're a power person that's been missing God's wisdom. Maybe you're a cerebral wisdom person. You've been missing God's power in your life. Or maybe if you were to be honest, you would say, Pastor, I don't have God at all. I fall in that first quadrant where I'm void of God and I'm void of his wisdom. I don't even know how he wants me to live life. Or maybe you're in the position where you've built something great. You've used wisdom, but you keep sabotaging yourself because you don't have the power of God in your life. Well, here's your solution. It's Jesus. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I'm life itself. If you're in here, you say, Pastor, I'm missing Jesus. But I need him in my life. You can take that step just by praying this simple prayer. Can you pray this with me? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for being all that I need and more. Thank you for dying on the cross, giving your life so that my sins, my mistakes can be erased. Today, I surrender. I give you all of me. Be my Lord and my Savior and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, can you celebrate for every single person that's making the greatest decision ever? 
Thanks again for tuning in to this week's message. If you want to learn more about our church, check us out at www.yourdestiny.church. Meet our leadership team, find a way to connect with our church, and partner with us through giving. You can also connect with us on social media by visiting our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Tune in next week for another message from our pastor, Stephen Chandler.